Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Joe McGranahan. Thank you, and welcome back on board to On the Mark. Today, it's a special day. It's Money Monday, our first official Money Monday with the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. And Bob Garrett, the president and CEO, is here with us. But we got to tell you, first of all, that On the Mark is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company. Check them out at W www.sunburymotors.com. The Sunbury Motor Company sells Ford, Hyundai, and Kia vehicles. They are a premier service provider for all makes of cars and trucks and all sizes of trucks. They have a large truck shop, a parts department, a body shop, an alignment shop, and a repair garage for all types of vehicles. They're a master towing service with decades of experience. Sunbury Motor Company selling more cars, satisfying more customers. When we open up the phone lines, we'll give you that number after we get done with our special guests this morning. But you can email us if you have a question at onthemark at wkok.com or text us at 70236. But be sure to include OTM at the start of your message. And with that, I'm happy to introduce Bob Garrett. Good morning, Bob. Good morning, Joe. And we're going to go right to our call-in guest. We have a, a very special guest to help us launch this inaugural Money Monday, or All I Know About Money Matters is Money Matters <laughs> show on uh, on the mark. Uh, you know, we've, we've, re, uh, we've recast our former financial fraud. Friday to become now Money Matters Monday, and um, and what, one of the things we thought uh, would really help us set sort of a nice stage for this show is to bring back on the air this time our old friend and trusted uh, advisor, someone who has become almost a, a household name, Aniban Basu. Dr. Basu is an economist, and we're going to go right to him. We have some prepared questions, but uh, Dr. Basu, first off, let me say good morning to you, and I hope you are well. Yes, sir. Good morning. I'm I'm fine. I'm hope you're well too, and happy to be here with you. Oh, it's great to uh, great to hear your voice, Anibon. You're you're a uh, uh, both an, a trusted advisor and a trusted friend. So it's great to hear from you. Well, I gave you uh, three prepared questions, but it occurred to me as I read over those this morning and and thought about them. That first question has sort of a gotcha feel to it, and that's not what I'm interested in doing. What I'm interested in in doing today, if you uh, would bear with us, is find out from you what are the what are the big questions out there in the economy. Economy right now, uh, and what is the question you wish I would have asked you uh, to begin the show? And then we'll get into the prepared questions between Joe and myself. But what 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 are the what are the big issues you see? You see, you know our area well. Um, what what do you think that uh, our members, the folks in the Greater Susquehanna Valley, these listeners of this show, should be focusing right now uh, when it comes to the economy? Right. Well, actually, that is the question I would, you know, have loved for you to have asked. So great to, to, to try to address it. Look, I think that many economists have concluded that the economy is going to be just fine, that uh, the Federal Reserve is managing to engineer a soft landing, meaning raising interest rates, cooling economic growth by cooling the appetite to borrow and spend, borrow and invest thereby slowing overall economic growth to get rid of this excess inflation that persists. 
that's the notion. So we've seen in recent uh, days economists at Bank of America, uh, at uh, J.P. Morgan and elsewhere say, we've taken the recession call off the table. Now, I'm just a small business owner from Baltimore. What do I know? I still think that recession is quite likely, and I'll tell you why. It's because the consumer is under stress. Uh, people will look at things like travel. They will look at things like uh, retail sales and say, the consumer looks fine. And of course, they will point to what remains a very strong labor market. However, more consumers have taken on more credit card debt. Travel is expensive. Airfares have risen significantly in recent years. My very strong belief is that after Labor Day, we will see some further softening in the data, especially the consumer spending data, and that elevates the risk of recession. And you know, to add to that, the Federal Reserve has not yet won its war on excess inflation, and so rates could continue to go higher later this year. Now. For the Susquehanna Valley, what does that portend? The, the, the Susquehanna Valley has a quite diverse economy, that's true, but it depends heavily upon logistics. And ongoing investments in infrastructure will render it even more dependent on logistics, which is a good thing and a bad thing, but by and large a good thing, it will create more opportunity for people. However, if a region is really tied to logistics, the distribution of goods uh, you know, through counties from east to west, so on and so forth, north to south, then that region is going to be especially dependent upon the strength of consumer spending. And if I'm right that consumer spending is about to soften over the next few months, then that would mean that uh, economic growth would soften a bit in the Susquehanna region. Of course, that could be wrong. I'm an economist. Well, that was uh, very helpful. Let me let me see if I can uh, focus in uh, even tighter. Um, the idea of this show is it on the Monday right after the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics puts out its uh, its employment situation report. So you know the unemployment rate, the participation rate, uh, the long term unemployment. Um, we're going to try to come on the radio and and help our our listeners, help the chamber members sort out what data matters and what data doesn't matter. Do you? from your years of experience, uh, what what is the data that you believe absolutely matters, the one that the Chamber should be reporting on, the headlines, and then also take this opportunity to, to, to help people understand what you do for a living, what economists do. You know, we, we uh, you come to speak with us on an annual basis, but then we quote you for the next 11, uh, 11 months and three weeks after that uh, of the information you give us. We bring on uh, Matt Rousseau, who is the dean of the, of the Sigmund Wise School of Business from Susquehanna frequently, who's an economist, have him speak uh, and talk to folks about it. But specifically, what is the data that you think that we need to really be lasered focus on month to month? Well, I look at the leading economic indicators. So many economists would say, look, the consumer's strong right now, the job market's strong, we got a report on Friday, as you pointed out, unemployment rate back down to 3.5%. Uh, you know, job growth was reasonably solid, came in at around 187,000 for last month, meaning July. And so you look at that, people say, look, there's lots of momentum in the economy. There's still lots of job openings in the economy. And so right now the economy is good, which means that it will be good. That's not the case. The economy was great in 1999. By 2001, it had fallen apart. The economy was quite good in 2005. By 2008, we're in the midst of a global financial crisis. 
So whatever the economy is doing now does not necessarily tell us what the economy is going to look like, let's say, in a year. And so what I look at is, are the leading economic indicators. Let me point out a few. The Conference Board is a private organization in New York. Uh, they, among other things, produce the co Consumer Confidence Index, but they also produce the Index of Leading Economic Indicators. And that index, which is a composite of 10 leading indicators in their own right, is telling us the economy will continue to soften. It's already become softer over the course of quarters. It's going to get a bit softer. There's an, another set of measures from the Institute for Supply Management looking very much at both services and manufacturing, but the manufacturing indices indicate that the U.S. manufacturing sector is already in its own idiosyncratic recession. Uh, and then, finally, there's the so-called yield curve. Um, and it, this gets a bit more complicated, but you would expect that if you, let's say, buy a 10-year U.S. Treasury and therefore are lending to the federal government for 10 years, uh, and therefore you're not going to see your principal for a decade, you would demand more interest from the marketplace than if you buy a one-year treasury and you get your principal back in 12 months. However, right now we have yield curve inversion. The interest rate on the one-year treasury is actually, and the two-year treasury is actually meaningfully above that on the 10-year treasury. And that often has been a portent for recession. We saw that inverted yield curve before the 1970 recession, before 73, 74, 75, before the 1980 episode, before 81, 82, before 1991, 1990, 1991, before 2001, before 07, 08, 09, so on and so forth. So it's been a pretty good, reliable indicator. It's been a pretty reliable indicator of recession for decades, and it's signaling right now red flags. I really appreciate that. Uh, you know, I, I hate to get weird uh, uh, so early in the morning uh, with you, but I could have come through the microphone and give you a, a warm embrace because later in the show, I'm going to be introducing the leading indi uh, leading economic indicator to our listening audience. You know, when we were doing Financial Friday, um, literally a minute after the, uh, the news broke of what the new unemployment rate was, we had to respond to it. We had to say something intelligent about it. The of, of recasting to Money Matters Monday uh, is that uh, we'll have some little more time. We don't have to be quite as breathless, and we can get into these uh, indicators, and, and I really appreciate that. And, and I, I guess I, uh, the other thing I want to take the opportunity to say that what, what economists such as Dr. Basu say, and I'm talking to the listeners here, the, uh, and particularly the chamber members uh, who are listening, the, the, uh, what, what he has to tell us, what, what, uh, what Ma Dr. Rousseau from Susquehanna has to tell us, what when we hear from these different economists, it really matters. You need to lean in and, and take notes when those come up. Well, I think this will, uh, maybe Joe will have a concluding uh, quick question, but let me ask you a question very specific to an area where I know you are a respected uh, advisor, Dr. Basu, and it has to do with the Central Susquehanna Valley Thruway. That we believe to be the largest publicly funded construction project in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, and it's moving right along. In fact, folks, this Friday we'll have our Transportation Committee meeting, of which Joe McGranahan chairs, and we'll be hearing another update on the construction of that throughway. The big bridge and the northern section are done. We're going to keep that southern section on track to get done. What do, what do investments like like the Central Susquehanna Valley Thruway, in, uh, investments in construction and infrastructure, what do they mean to an area like this? And it, it would be helpful for, uh, for you to give us that perspective, because you 
can you're sort of out in the center field bleachers. We deal with the detours every day. You don't. But what um, we we like to use the term uh, short-term inconvenience for long-term uh, gain. Uh, but what what do you think this is going to mean to the greater Susquehanna Valley, Doctor Basu? Well, I think it reinforces the region's strength. So you know, Pennsylvania is referred to as the a keystone state. Um, the Susquehanna region arguably is the keystone of the keystone. Uh, and so lots of throughput comes through that part of the country, east, west, and north, south. So whether it's improvements along Route 15 or I-81, it reinforces the community's relevance to the movement, the distribution of both goods and people, but in particular in this case, goods. And we have an e-commerce revolution that's still taking place. We have a lot of reshoring taking place in America. So more and more production is coming back to America, whether it's computer chips or inputs to alternative energy or batteries or electric vehicles. And so productive inputs are being moved around the country. Productive output is being moved around the country. And there's this Susquehanna region with all this infrastructure investment um, to benefit from that. And, and to serve that commerce well by moving goods and people efficiently through the region. Now, where does the magic come in? The magic is this. Since those inputs are being produced, those productive inputs in the manufacturing sector are being produced, can the region also attract a, more assembly and manufacturing operations to further diversify its economy and maybe drive up wage levels a bit further? Uh, distribution jobs pay well, truck driving jobs pay well, of course, but one would love to see even more opportunity of different forms arrive in the region. And so that's what economic development is about, is to try to put that together and to try to elevate the region, which also is home to health services and other industries I haven't talked about. But it's a quite diverse economy, but it has a particular strength in logistics. Dr. Basu, you mentioned your in, the inversion curve and the fact that right now one to two year interest rates on the feds are better than long term rates and you said that's usually a pretty good indicator of a recession. If you're right, what should we be doing now to prepare ourselves or to hopefully avoid it? Well, I mean, I think it's about cash, right? Cash is king. I'm a small business operator myself. I'm always thinking about things. I mean, most economists are academics or they work for banks or utilities, so on and so forth. I have to make payroll every two weeks myself. And so uh, what am I thinking about? I'm thinking about free cash flow. I'm thinking about accounts receivable versus accounts payable, that kind of thing. And if I think the economy is headed into a recession or maybe just weaker economic growth, which is what a lot of economists have concluded, then what I want to make sure is I'm spending my money wisely. I, you know, Many businesses made a lot of hires during this pandemic recovery period. Have all those been good hires? Um, you know, is, is there an opportunity with higher interest rates to instead of purchasing equipment and paying high interest to lease that equipment for a time? But thinking about cash flow, I think, is what businesses should be doing, particularly because we've been responding so quickly for the last three years during that pandemic and post-pandemic period. Now might be a time to take a deep breath and ask the question, is my cost structure proper? Am I approaching the right markets from a revenue generation perspective? It's a good time to ask those questions, especially if one thinks or one agrees with me, the economy is about to get weaker. Well, thank you so much for your insight, Dr. Basu. We always appreciate hearing from you. We'll look forward to the next time you're up here to give your annual economic forecast to the Chamber. And we appreciate you being our primary guest on our inaugural Money Monday. Thank you so much, Doctor. 
It was an honor. Thanks. Be take well. care. Have a good one. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more of On the Mark on Money Monday. Welcome back to On the Mark. Arm, arm, R, R. We were talking about hard R's and, <laughs> and pirates uh, during the break, which shows you about the level of Bob and I uh, as compared to Dr. Basu. But uh, we are delighted to have you back on Money Monday. Our guest is Bob Garrett, President and CEO of the Greater Susquehanna Valley Chamber of Commerce. And we're hoping to have Amy Buner, the Chairman of the Board, on the line in just a moment. Bob, uh, well, I think Amy is on the line. Good morning, Amy. Welcome on board. Good morning. Thank you for allowing me to join you. Well, Bob said we should give you the first crack at responding to Dr. Basu, so far away. Well, um, I mean, I, I defer to the experts, so um, as far <laughs> as, as my first crack, I, I would just say that uh, we should keep our eye on things and, um, and defer to the experts <laughs> when it comes to me, so... Well, and I don't. I I feel like uh, I, I feel like if I duck, I maybe I can get out of this, Amy. But uh, uh, if I'm the expert, let me just say, uh, uh, um, uh, you know, and I will always defer to my Madam Chairwoman, uh, um, uh, Amy Buner. Uh, but the, um, but really, I, I think what we heard from Dr. Basu, Amy, and Joe is is he put a couple more tools in our toolbox. Um, you know, the 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 college of you know the the leading indicators are. Are suggesting we're, things are still going to tighten up in the fourth quarter of this year and first quarter of next year. And this is the time to do what he said. Is, did, did we make the right hires? Did we did we spend our money wisely? Is there any way we can go back and get uh, and make sure that uh, we repair any hasty decisions we may have made during the pandemic. I heard him say, this is the time to get your credit card bills right. paid down, those he, sort of he, things. He yeah. didn't tie something together that interested me. He talked about the fact that we are a logistically centered uh, area here, that we tend to depend on that. Uh, and then he talked about recession, or less likely to survive intact if there's a recession as a logistically centered um, community, or are we, uh, or should, is there something we should be doing to diversify? Now, he did mention diversification but what, what should we be doing? What should the chamber be doing in this instance to uh, get us ready, if you will, for the apocalypse? Yeah, I, I agree with uh, Dr. Basu. Uh, I, it'd be folly not to agree with him that we are we have a lot of logistics in the greater Susquehanna Valley. But you know, as compared to what, Joe? When you look at the Carlisle area, there's a, a million square foot warehouse, uh, four or five of them at right. every interchange. Okay, now they're going to really feel it. They're really going to feel it. Now, of course, they have the the uh, state capital 10 miles away, so that'll be a nice buffer. The nice buffer we have here are our, ins our institutions. Well, you, let me ask you and Amy this question. With the completion of the Susquehanna Valley Thruway Project, what does the chamber see happening to our business uh, Our business makeup? Do you see it changing, modifying in any way? Well, we've, we've as you know, Joe, I, I, I don't know if that was a set-up question, but we've, we have studied this right. and we have data, and we also we know from experience uh, that a couple of things are going to happen. During the construction of the throughway, there's going to be inconvenience. You know, every day there's a new detour or something like that. We're Believe working me, around it. I my wife every it, day. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a, it's 40 years in the making, folks. Uh, you, you know, none of this is a surprise, and we, the chamber works very closely with PennDOT, and everybody knows that when a, that's been in the paper for a week or two ahead of time. So plan your route around, and there's plenty of ways to get around it. We know there's going to be some economic pinch during the construction 
on the other side of that is remember there's 1500 people working up on that throughway either directly or indirectly working on the throughway and they're they're taking hotel rooms they're eating our restaurants they're renting uh, local houses so that's a little boost to our economy that uh, will leave when the throughway is finished so so there's a little bit of a balance there what we believe is going to happen after the throughway opens is you know three things I always talk about is there are four counties in all of Pennsylvania that are not serviced by an interstate or interstate look-alike highway. Um, one of them is Adams County, Gettysburg. The other is Indiana County, Indiana. Uh, and the third is <clears throat> is Armstrong County, um, um, which is, is serviced f- actually fairly nicely by uh, 422. The fourth one is Snyder County. It is a, 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 of the four counties in all 67 not serviced by some interstate or interstate look-alike highway, okay? What the what the throughway is going to do is going to operate, uh, uh, now this isn't going to be the number, it's going to be the number of the throughway is going to be 147 to the to the Susquehanna, or to the Sunbury Connector, and 15 to the south. Uh, 11 is staying on the old trail, okay? So it's not going to be 11 to 15, it'll just be 15. The point I want to make is, for the first time, there's going to be a look-alike interstate highway servicing Snyder County. Think of it as Interstate 180 South, if you will. Just like 180 okay. now goes to Winsport, this will be 180 South into uh, into the uh, greater Susquehanna Valley, Snyder County specifically. One more thing, Joe, is we truly believe that Shemokin Dam, Hummel's Wharf, um, Monroe Township, uh, however you know it, are going to get their town back. Right now, 11 and 15, the traffic is so heavy, particularly on Fridays, that those communities are cut in half, not at all unlike Sealands Grove was cut in half before the Sealands Grove bypass was built, and very much like the borough of Dauphin, if you have ever visited Dauphin. I always invite folks, the next time you're coming north, or coming out of out of Harrisburg, go through Dauphin, the borough of Dauphin, and particularly those of us who remember what it used to be like, they got their town back. We're going to get our towns back. We're going to get, our towns are going to be whole again. It's going to be safe to cross the highway. Uh, expect to see a, a boulevard almost and almost like a new you know, mega main street of the greater Susquehanna Valley. So our best days lie ahead when it comes to the throughway for sure. Should have known better than to ask a chamber of commerce type about that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you, you just gave us your elevator speech yeah. and uh, when the elevator reached the top floor. Yeah, well, and, and I could go on and on and on. We've been at this, Joe, as I know, you know, for, quite a few years. for uh, decades. Yeah, Amy, so. what about the impact on housing and real estate going forward? Um, we're, you know, as we've discussed multiple times, um, we're still busy. Uh, I believe as everyone uh, looks at interest rates and those kinds of things, they, they take their deep breath. And I always say they do the proverbial thumping of the feet. Um, because we've experienced such low interest rates for the last 16-ish years, but things things keep going. We're busy. There's a low inventory, and there's still a high buyer demand because there's people left in the marketplace that haven't been able to achieve that goal. Uh, commercially, we're seeing a little bit slower. Um, our commercial market in this area is always a little bit slower, um, but you know, it's still moving along. There's there's some some activity happening that has 
started to increase here now. I think um, in light of what everyone fears may be a recession, um, you know, they're still accommodating accordingly. And I think, you know, with the talk of the throughway, what we have. You still with us, Amy? I think Amy got dropped. I think we dropped. <laughs> dropped call. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Sorry about oh, that. Oh, shucks. <laughs> yeah. I was like waiting. She was about to make a point, and we'll never hear the end of that yeah, point well, unless no, she gets uh, a maybe call she, back. Oh, here we go. She's coming back. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, we'll keep going, Joe. Okay. Oh. Well, you know, I think she brings up a good point. You know, we, we only have the amount of land we have here. Right. And the zoning, you know, I wondered what I was getting at with you is, is asking if you saw a lot of zoning changes being applied for in the years ahead. Uh, the right now we know certain parcels of land uh, are not impacted by the by the bypass but they will be once it's built so will there be a lot of pressure on people to change the zoning to uh, take advantage of the piece of land they own and par- perhaps put together some kind of uh, proposal for uh, new em- new business new enterprise are, are we likely to see a lot of more of that going forward right well Joe you know because you have uh, you have many tentacles into many uh, parts of the greater Susquehanna Valley you know that all Almost every, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm sure if I say everyone, I'll be wrong, I'll miss one, but just about every community in the greater Susquehanna Valley that is going to be impacted directly by the thruway has updated their comprehensive plans and their zoning, et cetera, et cetera. What, what I'm going to uh, take this opportunity to talk about is something that's known as smart growth, that we're we're going to want to uh, make sure that we're growing in an intelligent way, not in a haphazard way. Well, we're just about out of time, but Amy, you were in the middle of making a point when your call got dropped. Do you remember where you left off? Uh, I don't know when the call got dropped. What was the last thing you heard me say? You were talking about the, uh, you, you feel there's a little bit of an uptick, uptick in commercial, commercial activity. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think there's there's been a slight uptick in commercial activity, whether that's a result of people um, paying attention to the throughway and the things that are projected to be completed. Um, but, you know, we, we need to fulfill the needs of housing inventory. Um, and then, you know, while still focusing on the needs of the commercial uh, properties and, and commercial and industrial needs of the area. So, you know, just keeping our eyes on the prize, trying to meet the, the needs and demands of the marketplace while delicately balancing what's happening globally with the economy and the, the fear of a recession. Well, I think Bob made a good point early on, you know, that a lot of people right now are looking at the bypass and, oh, gee, the inconvenience of this, the dirt, the noise, uh, you know, all of these terrible things are happening. The roads are closed. I can't get where I'm trying to go on Friday. The traffic's even worse because of these detours. But it is a temporary inconvenience for a permanent and substantial improvement in our area. So we're going to give you the last word, Bob and Amy. Well, uh, Amy, go ahead. I'll let you, uh, let you wrap it up. Uh, uh, but I'll just tell you, I think uh, with uh, Aniban Basu and with your local knowledge of the real estate market, we have launched uh, Money Matters uh, Monday uh, very, very well. And we'll look forward to this show uh, being the recast of Financial Friday. But go ahead, uh, Amy. Yeah, I would just echo uh, those comments. Um, we change is hard. <laughs> no matter how you look at it, change is hard. Um, and and there's always kind of the, again, the proverbial pumping of the feet. Um, traffic gets a little worse um, temporarily, but 
you know, for all these things, there will be an end in sight and an improvement made. So I think, you know, as long as everybody can take that, that deep little breath and remember the greater good is coming um, from the, the traffic and the, the construction inconveniences all around, um, and we can just keep focusing on what this is going to do for the valley, um, especially when, you know, with the throughway projects, but just the construction in general. Okay. Hey, Amy, thank you. Bob, thank you so much. You guys Always have given a us a good kickoff for Money Matters Monday. I was just calling it Money Monday, but Money Matters Monday, that kind of makes it sound even more impressive. And we thought, thank Dr. Basu for taking time out of his very busy schedule to join us this morning as well. We're on the mark next, and we have open phones, 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarkatwkok.com or text us at 70236, but be sure to put OTM at the start of your message. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could shop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Welcome back on board on the mark. I'm Joe McGranahan, 570-743-9565. We'll get you right through to our uh, hotline, and we have three lines open. One is filled with a caller. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com, text us, 70236. Talking about money and finances today on the program, and Mike from Bloomsburg wants to talk about inflation. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, I do want to talk about inflation, but uh, while you guys were talking about the throughway project, I grew up in South Williamsport when they were building what they called a beltway there, which was uh, an improvement of Route 220 through Williamsport. And at the time, everybody thought it was going to kill the Golden Strip there. I don't know if you're familiar with that area. It's kind of like what they have in Ceilings Grove. And the truth of the matter is, after they put the beltway in, uh, it improved the Golden Strip. Uh, more local people used it, and the people that were coming by would stop often, and uh, it's just a better place with that throughway there. Well, just so and you know, the Golden Strip is in Shemokin Dam and Hummel's Wharf, not Sealand's Grove. Yeah, I, I, I know that, but uh, <laughs> that's what we called it. And I do think, if you look at Williamsport, it's got to be a little bit better Golden Strip than what you guys have. But I'm not going to be biased. <laughs> Well, we do the best we can with what we've got, Mike. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm watching CNN, believe it or not, and uh, one of the headlines was, inflation is good for working class people. And since you've got like a commerce business type guy on there, uh, myself, I'm on a fixed income that's not uh, anywhere near keeping up with inflation. In fact, the fixed income's not increasing at all, and my wife was a professional homemaker, so her Social Security is rather meager. So what I want to know is, 
I previously was a working class person, and how this inflation is going to help me. Well, I don't think it's helping me, so, and I'm roughly in the same situation you are, so I, I would be hard-pressed to tell you how inflation is going to benefit us. Uh, yeah, I'm at, I'm at a loss for that. And the other thing related to inflation, and, and a lot of people aren't talking about this, but the Fitch Rating Agency downgraded federal debt, okay? Now, the uh, Biden people say everything is going great, and only, what, 37% of the people think Biden's doing a good job in the economy. But my point is this. If we have all these government spending programs that are growing and cannot be reduced, basically, and we have to borrow more and more money every year, that means there's going to be more debt and more dollars floating around. And, and I would think that an oversupply of dollars would you know, maybe cause inflation. And is it is it possible that... You know, we've heard about, uh, was it Germany that had the hyperinflation and people happened to use a, a, a wheelbarrow full of money to buy a loaf of bread and what mm -hmm. have you? The Weimar Republic. Is, is that possible? Yeah. Is that possible here, something like that? I mean, everybody says things are going along great until they're not. Well, but the difference is back in, in those days, there were some people who wanted the country to fail and the economy to collapse. So things weren't done that could have maybe corrected the situation. But everybody wound up in a problem in, you know, the 1929 after the after the uh, the collapse of Wall Street and the Great Re Re Depression and Recession or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it's it, it was hard for any country to survive unscathed during those times. But now, you know, it's a little bit different. Different. We have uh, the Fed and all these agencies working to keep us from going off the edge again. Well, that that like you say, we have we have the Fed, and right now, uh, for whatever reason, you know, first the inflation was supposed to be temporary, and then it was you know what was it? No, supply chain, then temporary, then sticky, and now I don't know what they're calling it, but it, it's still here. They keep trying to disguise it, but, you know, last I checked, food prices and things that I have to buy every day are still going up. But the bottom, the bottom line is we are just spending more money than we're collecting in taxes, and we have a, a divisive government. And that was one of the things that was cited that the uh, – at least that's what the media was saying. The, the Fitch downgraded this because the, the parties can't work together. But they also cited the excessive spending and borrowing that no one seems to be mentioning. So, you know, my, my guess is this. If other people think that they can invest their money in other countries and other currencies that are better, they're going to do it. And, and, it, and again, we're seeing these uh, digital coin things going up. And the last thing I'm going to say, Joe, you had mentioned uh, we have all these things that keep the country, you know, kind of on track, the Fed and the different agencies and things like that. But in my opinion, it seems like we are doing, our government's doing so many things that are opposite of that, you know, by the, the spending. No one's ever talking about how many billions of dollars bringing in five to seven million people that don't speak English, what that's going to do to the economy. Yeah, maybe in the long run, that's going to that's going to provide a big lift but in the short term i think that is something that shouldn't be being done right now 
Well, that's a good point. I can't can't really argue with you a great deal on that. But you know, I'm more optimistic than um, than maybe you are. I think that what we have in place will do the job. I mean, you heard Dr. Basu, if you heard the start of the program, saying he believed the Fed was engineering us toward a soft landing. Uh, but then on the other hand, he pointed out that that inverse curve he was talking about with the short-term Fed rates being higher than the long-term Fed rates and how that's been a sign of recession almost every, well, every time it happened. You know, there, there is cause for concern, no doubt about it. But I think smarter minds than me and maybe smarter minds than you are working on it, and hopefully they'll find a way to stop it. But my problem is the politicians might get in the way. You know, I don't think we make decisions all the time about what's best for the country. We make them about what's best for my reelection chances or what's best for, um, you know, my party. And there, I think, could be the the um, um, the, the the rat in the <laughs> in the haystack or whatever. It, oh, I agree. And the other thing, you talked about the inverted yield curve. Well, the last I heard, around a trillion dollars has been removed from banks' savings and loans and credit unions and put into the money markets. Okay, so when it goes into the money market, in most cases, they have to be the most secure funds, so they're invested in government, usually, or, or government organizations. Whereas the money that was in the banks, it's my opinion that they're used to provide loans to people, to provide uh, business and, and economic growth. And here, it sounds to me like we're, we're almost killing the banks. And, you know, we did have a big run on the bank in California recently. And who's to say that not more of them are going to happen when people keep taking their money out of the banks and uh, putting it to, you know, basically handing it over to the government for deficit spending. I see that as a problem. Okay, well, fair enough. Well, thank you, Mike. Always appreciate your comments, sir. Thank you very much. Take care. Mm -hmm. Bob, you're on the mark. You want to talk about IRAs? Well, yes, and that as far as like you know uh, savings and that. Of course, I'm 66 years old. Of course, I, you know I started working at WKOK in 1973, and of course there was no such thing as an IRA then. There was like savings bonds that you could get um, and, and all that. But as far as like the government the spending in that, like you know what money that the banks have. Uh, versus uh, what the stock market has and constantly moving around. That's what I've personally done over the years, just kind of watched where, I mean, where I might need the money, so I put it into a cash fund type thing, like in a savings account, and then just uh, uh, as far as the investment money, and something my grandfather always taught me from, from day one, and uh, of course, you know, they grew up, you know, in the 1920s and 1930s where there was no, hardly any way of saving anything, was to, you only invest what you don't need. Well, that's a good point, but on the other hand, uh, if you don't plan for the future, if you don't make it hurt a right. little bit, you may not get enough so that when you do right. need it, you may not have enough to, to take care of what you need. So right. it's, it's always so that's a, the thing because, you know, there's so many changes, and I get the, you know, the letters from the, um, you know, from the, uh, from the banks and from my IRA and everything else, we're going to do this and we're going to do that, and we need your approval to do this. But I think everybody has to look at their age of where they're at. That's true. And, hey. then, tr and then try to make those decisions. Good point, sir. Thank you. Appreciate your call. 570-743-9565. Email us at on the marketwkok.com. One of our texters says there will be no recession as long as we have President Biden. I'm not certain I understand exactly what they meant by that. But we'll take our last break of the day. We invite your calls right now. 
Welcome back to On the Mark. I'm Joe McGranahan. Still have time for a call if you have the chance to give us a ring, 570-743-9565. Email us at onthemarketwkok.com. Text us, 70236, but be sure to include OTM at the start of your message. You know, last week in the program, we had a lot of people talking about Donald Trump, as I'm sure we will again because he just doesn't go away. But uh, some of the callers at the time referred to the fact that Donald Trump had tried to get help uh, in advance of January 6th and that Nancy Pelosi turned him down. But Nancy Pelosi uh, has appeared on with Jake Tapper on the lead, and she was discussing Kevin McCarthy trying to reshape the focus of all of this, all these indictments onto Hunter Biden. And she made some very interesting comments. Uh, you may find this very interesting. Current Speaker of the House, your successor, Republican Congressman Kevin McCarthy, he responded to the latest indictment um, by posting on the social media site formerly known as Twitter, quote, House Republicans will continue to uncover the truth about Biden Incorporated and the true two-tiered system of justice, unquote. He went, he went on uh, from there. What's your response to uh, Speaker McCarthy trying to refocus this to Hunter Biden and President Biden? What I would say is and to remind the American people that on the night when it was very clear to the Republican leadership in the House of Representatives and in the United States Senate that there was an incitement uh, uh, instigated by the President of the United States on the Capitol, on the Congress, more importantly, on the Constitution of the United States. They saw the danger, the danger that we were in. They saw the lack of response from the President for not sending the National Guard, which we pleaded for him, pleaded for him, pleaded for him, and Chuck Schumer and I kept pleading with him to also to call off his troops, but to send in the National Guard. They saw that. They saw the danger. They made statements about it that recognized the involvement of President Trump. And then they all, so many of them, the majority of them in the House, voted to, not, to reject the, rule, the peaceful transfer of government, accepting the, uh, the numbers, that the, the, America, the vote of the American people as demonstrated by the Electoral College vote. It was heartbreaking to if all the tragedy of that night and then to see them say, okay, we're not supporting the peaceful transfer of power in our country. That means more to me than any of this nonsense that he's engaged in now. There you have it. Nancy Pelosi saying that they tried to get President Trump to do something and he refused to do it. Interesting. Chris, you're on the mark from Milton. Good morning, sir. Yeah, I think they were talking about different times there, actually, as uh, several weeks before or the day of. But well, uh, the, the issue is help, whether or not that they were trying to get help. And apparently the argument is that Trump didn't want to help, whether it was before, after. Oh, or yeah, that was clear he didn't want to help <laughs> during the day. And who would trust Trump with troops down there in any case to order around? Well, it depends on your view with me. He wanted it to be stopped, you know. (laughs) (laughs) And he was on the protester side. They were doing good work, you know. Well, he, but, yeah, uh, I think he did uh, Next time you have a, a, a professor on uh, that's uh, predicting in. Uh, uh, conservative on really when he's predicting inflation, but predicting uh, recession. Ask him when the last time he he didn't predict recession was. Well, bear in mind he was talking about a specific thing, this inversion curve. Yes, the inversion curve they were talking about 
Ben was talking about that a year ago. And he was predicting a, a recession coming every, every in, in two or three months, every month for six consecutive months. And every conservative presser you've had on, when a Democrat is in office, seems to be predicting a recession all the time. All right. Now, you, you don't think there will be one? You don't think we're headed that way? None of these signs worry you? Oh, I think uh, some of them are a concern. But there's a lot, a lot more. If you look at what they were predicting was going to happen on any of these, and then you look at what actually did happen, the result has been quite good so far. Well, I think all of us would be happy if these guys were wrong. I mean, we don't want a recession. Right. And, but, I mean, when you could, if you've predicted a recession long enough, you're going to be right eventually. There's no doubt about it. And then you can say, I told you so. And it was all the policies I don't like that caused it. But neither of those might be true. <laughs> but they, they easily could be true, too, as well, don't you admit? They could. Uh, not, not easily and as well, no. But possibly, yes. All right. Well, let's take a look at the economic. I mean, Joe Biden has done, in my opinion, a, a rather dismal job in the economy, and he's not trusted. And I, and I refer you to the polls that show that the majority of the American people do not have any confidence in his ability to lead on that issue. What do How expert are they in economy? So, in other words, the people are dumb. No. How expert are they, Joe? You're you're asking experts because you don't trust no, the I'm, people. I'm right. A, I'm worried about the you. You run an expert to tell us that. What did what did the the woman say that was on? Oh, I believe an expert said it. I have to she go said along the with it. Okay. Yeah. But, but you're, mis <laughs> you're missing my point. The people are I, affected. I'm, you're missing mine. No, I think, no, I think go I've ahead. got you. But the people, the people are the ones who are most directly affected by what's going on in the economy. They may not understand the root causes in in terms of an academic, but they understand the effect on their pocketbook. They understand that a dollar doesn't buy yeah. anywhere near as much today I, as it did a few months ago. And things could, as a few months ago, and those people, years ago. And those people don't trust Joe Biden's handling of the economy. Yeah, and how many of them are Republicans? Well, believe me, at 57% was the number I saw. I would say more of them are Democrats right. than Republicans. <laughs> uh, I don't think the majority were Democrats by any means. Well, but it, that's what I mean. It's, it's, it's too political to say, well, maybe which they didn't my ask, point in the first place. Chris, we got to go. Maybe they didn't ask party, uh, the People's Party. They just asked their opinion. Hey, we'll be back with more of On the Mark tomorrow on WKOK. Thanks so much for listening. Brought to you by the Sunbury Motor Company. WKOK Sunbury. Thank you.